Thank you so much, church. Great to be with you. Really good to be with you, watching at home as well. And so good to be able to celebrate with Ahmed and Eva and Richard and Nancy as they dedicate their children this morning. Now, one of the things that my kids have always enjoyed is being upside down. We have three kids, and I've done this with them ever since they were small. I've flipped them over and carried them around, dangling upside down. It's becoming a little bit more challenging with our 11-year-old. But I asked one of them the other day, doesn't it feel weird being upside down? And they said to me, I love it. You get to see things the other way up. Well, as we continue our journey through Luke's gospel today, looking at the king and his kingdom, the topic today is the upside down kingdom. We're going to look at a passage where Jesus is talking about what it is to be valued in the kingdom of God. And we'll see that things that we tend to accept as normal and things that we accept as part and parcel of our world, well, Jesus turns them completely on their head. And my prayer for all of us today is that as we explore this passage and think about what it means for our own lives, that we would experience the joy and the freedom of living upside down lives. So let's get straight in. We're in Luke chapter 6, verses 17 to 26. If you've got a Bible, you can follow along. If not, don't worry, the words will come up on the screen behind me. So it's Luke 6, verses 17 to 26. It says this. He went down with them, that's Jesus, Jesus went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples... He said, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you've already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. Let's pray together, church. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your presence. And we thank you for this teaching. And I ask, Lord, that you'd help us to explore this and understand it. And I pray that as we do, Lord, you draw us close to you, that you'd fill us with your spirit and you draw us near to you. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, the Sea of Galilee in the north of Israel, is surrounded by mountains. And it's likely that it was in these mountains that this teaching took place. Jesus had spent the night in prayer, and he comes down to a level place to teach. And it's clear that Jesus' fame and popularity are growing here. People have walked for miles to be near him. And it's this real mix of people. You've got a growing number of Jesus' disciples there. 
But there's also this great multitude of people who've come from places like Tyre and Sidon on the northwest coast, and also from Jerusalem in the south. And many of these people don't seem to be Jesus' followers, but they've been drawn by his power. Word seems to have got around about this rabbi with power to heal the sick and cast out demons, and they want to get close to him, to touch him. People are always drawn to the spectacular and the powerful. And it's in this context where, Jesus, where people have come to receive from Jesus that he looks at his disciples and begins to teach them. And there's no getting away from it. This is challenging teaching. Now, commentators are divided about whether this is the same sermon that's recorded in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel or whether it's a different time where Jesus preached a similar message. The challenging thing with this version, of course, is that while Matthew talks about the blessings, here you get the woes as well. And Jesus did this. He never just said things that people wanted to hear. No, Jesus stops you in your tracks. Jesus says things that can unsettle you and make you feel uncomfortable, angry even sometimes. If your view of Jesus is just of a nice man who said nice things, it doesn't stack up against passages like this. Do you know, if we're looking for comfort, we will find it with Jesus, but often not in the way we expect. So what do we do with what Jesus says. Well, the question I really want to explore today is what does a blessed life really look like? Not just then, more than 2,000 years ago, but now in Buckinghamshire in 2021. As we pray for Ahmed and Eva and Richard and Nancy, as we make promises to them and their children, what kind of life do we want for those children? And what kind of life do we want for ourselves? What are we building our lives on? Because if there's one thing that's clear from Jesus' teaching, it's this, that the way God sees things is totally different to the way we tend to see things. So we're going to look at two things this morning. And the first is this, what does right-side-up living look like? Right-side-up living. See, every kingdom has things that it values and holds in high esteem, things that it treasures, and other things that it considers small and insignificant and worthless, things that are despised. And we experienced this from a really young age. I remember well that feeling of being lined up against a wall at school as two captains picked their football teams and seeing the most skillful, the strongest, the most popular kids chosen first. And I know you'll find this hard to believe, but I was skinny and accident prone and, and waiting to be chosen, just, just thinking, just please don't pick me last. In our world, things like popularity and power and success, these things are treasured and esteemed. And we see this in all kinds of ways, don't we? In the kinds of people that we celebrate and put on a pedestal and look up to as doing well in life, but also in our own lives, in the kind of things that we go after. Things like academic success and promotion at work, a growing following on social media, In all kinds of ways, our world trains us and teaches us that if we can just get these things, if we can just grab hold of these things, then we'll have a blessed life. And you know, in lots of ways, of course, that makes complete sense because if this world is all there is, then investing in these things is natural because they deliver in the now. If people speak well of me, if they tell me I've preached well, well, I like that. That fuels my ego. It makes me feel good. If I get a promotion at work, well, that might mean more power. If I look around at my decent-sized home and nice food in the cupboards, well, it might look to all the world that I'm winning. But what about from a kingdom perspective? Jesus 